1: DIY and Howe Studios presents Deeper Digs in Rock, part of the Rock and Roll Archaeology Project. Music, culture, technology, and rock and roll. Now, on with the show. It was a dark day in Dallas, November 63.
2: A day that will live on in infamy. President Kennedy was a riding high. Good day to be living and a good day to die, diggers. The rock and roll archaeologist Christian Swain here. And yep, those are the opening words from the just-released Bob Dylan epic, Murder Most Foul. And yep. That will be the topic for today's Deeper Digs in Rock episode. We're going to do something a little different. Uh, Let me uh, get just a quick bit of business in and we'll get going. Uh, First off, I hope everyone out there is safe and still sane after a couple of weeks of social isolation, social distancing. Uh, The bad news is uh, we're only two weeks in. And the good news is, is, hey, we're now two weeks in. Uh, I know some of you are behind us out here in California. Uh, actually, we've uh, officially been two weeks, and I think uh, even some of us started uh, at least a week before that um, uh, to to make preparations, uh, thinking that we might get to something like this. So, all right, first off, I know there have been some questions regarding all of this and how significant uh, is this pandemic, and I don't know, maybe we're overdoing it a little. Not not sure I can go there. Uh, I, I look at countries like Italy and Spain. And the, the thing about a viral pandemic is, while the present may seem like we are overreacting, it's the future we need to prepare for. Uh, following trend lines uh, more than suggests a terrible time ahead for uh, the world and and for this country for for the United States. So I don't think we are overreacting. In fact, I kind of think we some places haven't quite understood how much we are getting walloped. Um, it's not so much about me, uh, and it may not be so much about you. If I were to contract the coronavirus and develop COVID nineteen you know, I, I, I'm thinking I'd probably do okay and survive. I don't have any underlying health conditions. Uh, I'm in a, uh, uh, an age bracket that has a very low mortality rate. Um, uh, but you know, even if I got, got it bad, you know, I, I'd probably, you know, still make it. Um, uh fingers crossed, uh, my concern is giving it to someone who is not as healthy as I am. Um, even worse is being uh, I don't know a, a completely asymptomatic carrier, which some suggests is up to thirty percent of those infected, and then giving it to a ton of people without knowing. that is what has me most concerned. Um, this is why social isolation, as much as possible and social distancing when venturing outside uh along with proper hygiene when coming back in are so important just something to think about uh i care about all of you and i'm sure you care all about you as well uh reminder while i am um a rock and roll archaeologist uh i am not a doctor nor do i play one uh even on a podcast, Uh, please go to cdc.gov or uh, who.int for the best medical information. So as I was surfing the web of news last night, I uh, came across an article uh, with the title, Sex Toy Sales Are Skyrocketing Because of Social Distancing. Really? Yeah. I, I, actually, I'm not surprised. Uh, what else are we going to do once you've finished uh, Tiger King? Of course, I'm not surprised. Um, yes, the sale of sex toys and lingerie is booming. And, and I'd like to think all the folks here at Pantheon Podcast have something to do with it. I mean, is it just coincidence that just as we launch our, spartner, our sponsorship with AdamandEve.com, a pandemic keeps everyone indoors with nothing to do? I think not. It sounds uh, like all the rock and rollers are uh, remembering to go to AdamandEve.com and just remember to use your huge discount code, D-I-G-S, DIGS, at checkout. yes. AdamandEve.com with the digs discount code gets you 50% off. And that's not all. Uh, select almost any single item for 50% off. And then Adam and Eve loads you up on free stuff. Enter the code D I G S digs Diggs, at checkout and get 10 enticing and tempting free gifts. Three items you'll enjoy and can share. Well, with an intimate partner, that is. As long as you have consent, I don't care who you share it with. And you also get six free movies that you can't share with the kids. Just putting that out there. Uh, But you should share with your partner. Partners, uh, you know, after the kids go to bed. Plus, don't forget, free shipping. That's digs, D-I-G-S, at adamandeve.com. What else are you gonna do? Okay. <laughs> Enough about the loins. Let's get to the head and heart.
3: Twas a dark day in Dallas, November 63. A day that would live on him for me. President Kennedy was a right high. Good day to be living and a good day to die. Being led to the slaughter like a sacrificial lamb. You see, wait a minute, boys, you know who I am.
2: So at midnight on March 27th, early this year, 2020, Mr. Dillon, oh, some say the jester, launched his own version of an American pie uh, to the surprise of everyone. Of course, uh, Mr. Nobel laureate uh, takes the opposite tack than the Don McLean classic. Uh, Less melody, hooks, and beat, uh, but far more lyrical depth. And to be honest, uh, that alone is saying a lot. (laughs) Are are we not surprised? Look, I I am... In no means a uh, Dylanologist, Uh, You know, I've learned to love Bob over the years. Uh, It didn't come from the start. Uh, I I don't want to get into the whys uh, because it's complicated, though the next hour will probably clue you in on some of the whys. Uh, We get into that with our guests. But uh, I will say, um, starting Rock and Roll Archaeology, oh, yes, and episode 19 is coming. I promise we're working very hard and diligently at it. Um, having to dive into uh, Dylan um, seriously got me all in. Uh, it's a regret uh, that um, I didn't um, fall for uh, um, you know the Bard uh, earlier, but uh, better late than never, huh? And now this murder most foul. On first listen, uh, I, I was dumbfounded. Uh, within the first few minutes, tears were streaming down my face. By the end, I realized the song kept my full attention, and I was ready to hear the entire 17 minutes again. Uh, that, too, says a lot. Um, I checked the news on the song, and sure enough, everybody was talking about it. Yes, this was big news. And at a time when every musician is out doing what they can on social media, uh, to keep us busy, to give us content. Um, I, I personally particularly like the uh, Neil Young and his Firesight Sessions. <laughs> and I'm sure you have a, a few of your own uh, fun and uh, interesting and incredibly uh, insightful and emotional, uh, emotional impacting uh, artists out there that are doing the same thing. Well, like I said, I'm not a Dylanologist. But you know what? We do have a few hosts that I knew were far more into the bard of the baby boomers than I. Um, though I, I, I can tell you right now, they are probably shaking the fist at the uh, at the uh, the the speaker. Uh, Same, but Christian, I'm not a Dylanologist. Oh, you know, you're more of an expert, uh, and uh, you know. Experts may be as elusive as Bob himself has been his entire career. So, please give my... My experts uh, that we're going to talk to here a little slack. What I do know from listening to some of our shows is that Ray Coob and Marcus in the Darkness uh, from Imbalanced History of Rock uh, would have a, a take on the song. Uh, I knew Miss Pamela DeBar, who did know Bob a bit in the 1980s, has seen every Dylan show since 1965 and is a huge fan of everything he does. Uh, Down Under... Uh, Morris Bushdinsky, uh from Love That Album could add colorful perspective and a philosopher's gaze to boot. I knew Cindy Howes of Basic Folk is a huge Dylan fan as well uh, and could add succinct thoughts to my own and with greater authority than I could certainly muster. And of course, the guys uh, from our very own Bob Dylan show, Is It Rolling Bob? Talking Dylan, would be a big help in dissecting and debating uh, many of the lines that are found in, uh, in the song. Uh, though only Lucas Hare uh, could join us for the conversation. We missed his co-host, Carrie Shale's take. Unfortunately, he was unavailable this weekend. So, hell, why don't I just get their perspectives? Well, that's exactly what I've done. Uh, one for each of the five verses. Now, this is all stream of consciousness from our friends here. There may be some of that going on in the song, actually. First impressions, okay, for a 17-minute song packed with references from just about the entirety of the 20th century. So let's get to it. Diggers, I give you a little from Ray Coop, Marcus in the Darkness, Miss Pamela Debar, Morris Bushinsky, Cindy Howes, and Lucas Hare discussing Murder, Most Foul. The day
3: they blew out the brains of the king Thousands were watching no one saw a thing It happened so quickly, so quick by surprise Right there in front of everyone's eyes Greatest magic trick ever under the sun Perfectly executed, skillfully done Wolfman, oh, wolfman, oh, wolfman, owl Rub-a-dub-dub, it's a murder host foul. Okay, with me now
2: is Ray Coob and Marcus in the Darkest from our show, Imbalanced History of Rock. How are you guys doing today? Pretty
4: good, man. Good doing to well, have, doing well.
2: Good to have uh, have you on to talk about this uh, brand new Bob Dylan song that uh, showed up uh, uh, last night and uh, is getting a lot of attention. Uh, a seventeen minute uh, epic uh, that. Um, I guess, uh, has a lot to do with the, uh, the Kennedy assassination called Murder Most Foul. So let me get your first impressions. I think you both have had a chance to listen to the song. So, uh, uh, Ray, what, what, what were your first thoughts?
5: Well, first off, like a lot of people, I guess, who are listening, I was, you know, surprised by the arrival of it. And then when I saw what it was, uh, this epic 17 minute song, um, I just dove right in after we uh, talked about things earlier, and I just realized what it was, and obviously in the first verse, you get an idea what the song's really all about. And then he goes on to illustrate it in a way that just kind of blew me away, man. I haven't listened to a long Dylan song like this uh, you know, on first listen all the way through and be there with my jaw agape by the middle uh, in a long time.
4: Oh, good to hear. Marcus, what do you think? I was surprised by the fact that he had a 17-minute song all ready to go, but after listening to it, I was impressed with the vocals. The music arrangements are wonderful, and I found it to be very interesting. It seemed like he was naming everybody ever involved with the assassination, with the investigation, with the story, and then at times it seemed like, they were going into the conspiracies and he was mentioning some of the weird conspiracies or alluding to them or yeah, yeah. maybe using his Bob Dylan, uh, masterful poetry skills to be able to, uh, paint this picture or make you think about, Hey, what about this, uh, assassination? What do we know? Yeah. And yeah. It, it was, it was fascinating and I really enjoyed listening to it all the way through. definitely, I know you guys mentioned, the long song Ray mentioned. The long song "Hurricane" was the last really long song like that that I can remember from Bob Dylan, off the top of my head, that has that kind of power.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, definitely. Uh, yeah, That was uh, a, a a fairly big hit for Bob. Uh, Hurricane. Uh, and yeah, that's been that's been a while. Um, I get the feeling that this um, song was recorded in in 2012. Uh, at the time that he was. Uh, uh, putting together his last album of originals uh, from the album tempest and the reason why and I might be wrong but but there there is a line in here that mentions that the the uh, the assassination took place 50 years ago and that would be seem more in time of of that as opposed to, uh, you know, he'd just been working on it and, and, and released it. Um, so it sounds like this may have been an outtake uh, from from that 2012 album. Um, but uh, it also seems for me like the, the, the first couple of verses are pretty much, um, you know, what's going on at that moment uh, uh, in 63, uh, December 22nd. And then it kind of begins to shift a little bit, and he gets into the latter part of the 60s. I mean, he mentions, as you said, name-checking, people like Tommy uh, from The Who, mm-hmm. uh, 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 The um, uh, Patsy Cline is mentioned. I'm just going through the lyrics here uh, myself. Uh, and that, that things have shifted. The age of the Antichrist, he, he mentions. And then it's like there's like movie references and shakespeare references yeah and, yeah and television and and like like all of these cultural Things like almost you know that in a weird sort of way, maybe he put it out because you know we're all supposed to be self isolating and uh, we need to sit around and you know play me a song, Mr. Wolfman Jack, play it for me and <laughs> my long Cadillac, you know, uh, play at a James, play it, uh, play John Lee Hooker, uh, a guitar slim going down on and a, play it for Marilyn Monroe, you know, on and on and on. Um, but uh, you know, uh, one
5: of the things. One of the things that hit me right away was the mastery with which he wove all these references into his story as he went down, like by verse three, you start to see him talking about the conspiracy things. Yeah. but But he's working it in with things. I mean, like he's, you know, from Wake Up Little Susie. Uh, uh, from the Everleys to the Acid Queen from Tommy, all within lines of each other. And the way that he did it is masterful, Uh, not to be unexpected coming from Bob
2: yeah he also mentions like he goes back in time I think and and again we're all just kind of digesting this uh, you know here immediately he does go back to uh, at least the silent film era because he talks about uh, Harold Lloyd and and Buster Keaton I'm sure he was big fans of those guys as a kid uh, growing up uh, in the the 40s and 50s and and seeing those old films play uh, in the the theaters back then Um, and so it's 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 it's, i I don't know you know in one way and and of course you know with all things dylan it's 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 opaque and you know we're we're all just guessing uh here but uh in in some Mm -hmm. ways it seems like um like he is referencing a lot of american culture of the past but at the same time saying maybe maybe we should all pay attention to it to today what do you guys think
4: I, I think that's a pretty good uh, look at this song. It's uh, really fun to dig into it and look at it even closer. I can't wait to dig into it more and listen to it a couple of more times. I, I think it's I think it's kind of one of those fun music adventures you can actually go on during this time and a good song. Given to us by Bob Dylan.
2: Yeah, yeah. You know, there, there. Uh, you know, there's a lot of artists that are putting out uh, uh, material. Uh, you know, anything from. Uh, uh, you know, um, uh, Pearl Jam released their new album uh, Gigaton today, and then there's you know every singer songwriter getting on Facebook Live and just uh, you know putting some things out. Uh, you know, Neil Young just did uh, a couple of uh, pieces uh, from his home in Telluride, uh, and, uh, and and a lot of artists are are trying to provide some content for all of us stuck in our uh, in our self isolation, huh?
5: I uh, on my syndicated show, I suggested that the Who should set up somewhere, like at a rehearsal hall or somebody's house, and uh, do it do the the internet concert because that would probably generate like crazy numbers, you know. And I was thinking about that as a byproduct of all this stuff that's going on with performance art on the internet. And uh, while we were talking, too, I I was thinking about some uh, some of the cultural references and the musical references. And I thought you uh, might want to t- you might want to be talking to us about some of those because we talk about a lot of this stuff, like uh, another one bites the dust on oh, the Beach Point. Boys yeah, the- yeah, yeah yeah, and the met reference to carl wilson and and the Eagles and taking it to the limit and uh, Blue Sky and Dickie Betts. How often does he get name checked in a song? Yeah,
2: especially a Dylan song. yeah, what do you think, Marcus? Hey! <laughs> what do you think, Marcus?
4: Ah, you know, I'm kind of, I don't know, you guys have pretty much summed it up very well. I really, like I said, want to dig into this song a little bit more. I love it. Like we've all talked about the pop culture references, the conspiracy theories, how it's all relevant, even though it's 50, 60, 70, maybe even 80 years old. It's all still relevant today. And it seems, in a way, that he's tying this segment of U.S. history together. You
5: know what? That's a good thought. And I'm, mm, listen, I'm yeah. looking at I'm looking at the lyrics on the on the fifth verse, and he kind of goes into at times they are a changing kind of riff, where he's like repeating the first word and hitting the first beat real hard. And I think there's a that is that connection, Marcus. Good call, brother. Ah, thank you.
2: Yeah, play the bloodstained banner. Murder most foul.
4: Yep, good stuff. Guys, what do you think? Now, let me ask you this, Christian. Do you like this song? Because we've talked about it, but do you enjoy this song? Would you listen to it again?
2: Oh, uh, uh, without doubt. Uh, um uh, I had the pleasure of seeing Bob here uh, uh, about six months ago at the Frost Amphitheater in uh, uh, at Stanford University, uh, <clears throat> which is just reopened. And uh, I'd seen Bob. This was, I think, it was the fourth or. Fifth, I think it was the fourth time I'd seen Bob, and um, most of the time I I kind of walked away going, okay, that was cool or interesting, but you know I <clears throat> I I I wasn't a huge Dylan fan. I, I I respected him without doubt, and I know how important he is to the overall story of rock and roll. Um, but you know, he, he, he is a bit of an acquired taste, but this last time I walked away going, Oh, totally get it. You know, uh, he, I, 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 now I understand the master and, um, uh, and I kind of feel like this song fits in that, that vein. So I I literally, you know, had tears streaming down my face as I listened to it because it did, it just, it, it, you know, musically it's evocative and almost like a movie score you know it it's it, it, it's 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 almost background and really bob's lyrics and bob's voice are really out front, and uh, and it and just,
5: sound him really really good. He
2: sound yeah, doesn't he sound good? Well, and that was the thing that I took away from you know, as you know, I, I'm a singer myself, and maybe that's part of the my my reasoning for not quite getting Dylan. And whereas this last uh, time I saw him, he was in fine voice, and I was like, wow, okay, mm. now I totally get it. And uh, and I think I feel that with this song as well. And let's face it, it's a 17 minute epic, so. So it's in it, its cinematic and, uh, you know, it, it, it took me into a lot of nostalgic places as I went through the song.
5: Cool. It's working.
2: It is. It is. Well, guys, <laughs> I just wanted to get a quick take from you, uh, our, our imbalanced history brothers, uh, part of the Pantheon <laughs> podcast network. That's us. And that is uh, us. And you'll be a part of the the deeper digs in rock uh, coming up. We're going to have a couple of other hosts uh, uh, give their take as well. So I appreciate uh, you guys coming on uh, uh, and and giving us your first take on the song.
4: Anytime, anytime. Thanks a lot for reaching out. Appreciate it, Christian.
3: Hush little children, you'll understand. The Beatles are coming. They're gonna hold your hand. Slide down the banister, go get your coat Ferry, cross the mercy and go for the throne There's three bumps coming all dressed in rags Pick up the pieces and over the flags I'm going to Woodstock, it's the Aquarian age Then I'll go over to Altamont and sit near the stage Put your head out the window, let the good times roll. There's a party going on behind the glassy door. Stack up the bricks.
2: Pulling All right, some- joining me now is uh, Miss Pamela DeBar from Miss Pamela's Pajama Party. How you doing, Miss P?
0: I'm okay. Stuck you in s- the house, you you're know.
2: surviving, you're surviving, huh? <laughs> <laughs> yep.
0: I am. I'm. I'm hanging in there, and I'm going to be fine, just like you and everybody else.
2: Of course, of course. It's just a a, a momentary uh, lapse that we're all going to have to uh, suffer through. Um, and, and it's not all suffering, uh, you know, I mean, look, uh, we get to spend more time with our family. Uh, I don't know about you, but I've been spending so much time either on the phone or in zoom or on Skype or, you know, I I'm talking to my mom more than I probably have in ages. Uh, <laughs> That's good.
0: Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm doing my writing workshops on zoom and it's been pretty fun. You yeah. know, it's, it's different, it but is. at least we're getting it done.
2: Yeah imagine, imagine if this had occurred like thirty years ago before the internet.
0: Yeah, that would have been rough. <laughs> that would have been <laughs> rough.
2: Now we're talking rough, right? 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 Oh,
0: a lot of books being read, probably.
2: Oh yeah, a lot of books being read. Uh, I just uh, read an article this morning that um, uh, that uh, adult entertainment is going through the roof, uh, which kind of works for you <laughs> and I, since uh, we you know have just started a sponsorship with uh, with Adam and Eve, of, of which we'll talk about after we talk about uh, you know this great new. Uh, Bob Dylan song. So let's get into that. Um, You, uh, I'm sure, have listened to Murder, Most Foul. Uh, Have you? Oh, yes.
0: Yeah. More than once. More more than than once. once And every time, well, every time there's something new, of course, like with all Dylan songs, you know, you hear it again and then it's some whole new song. I mean, this is like 10 songs in one, 17 minutes. Yeah,
2: yeah, 17 minutes. The longest song he has ever released.
0: Always going back to the central theme, of course, is Kennedy's murder. And so beautifully, you know, inserted into these with incredible pop references and just endless genius. You know, I am. I'm a Dylan fanatic. I I can't call myself a Dylanologist like the real cerebral people. I am emotionally attached to Dylan.
2: Yes. Yeah, yeah. And I think uh, you've seen him. You've seen him just about every tour, is that is that right for for how long?
0: Uh well, I first saw him when I was in high school, 1965 at Santa Monica Civic. Mm, mm. And I ha- I had been turned on to him by my dear friend Victor Hayden, the late late Victor Hayden who was Beef Art's cousin. Yeah. And he turned me on to Bob really early in high school, so I had to see him. And I was sitting sort of in the middle, and I had this honing device in my soul that I just got up out of my seat, walked straight down the aisle and stood in front, in front of him, the only person who did it, and they didn't make me go to my seat. No one was doing those things in. You know So I saw the whole show right below him, right in front <laughs> of, right in
2: front of Bob. It, 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 did, did Bob yeah. acknowledge
0: you there? Oh, no, Bob doesn't acknowledge anybody. He doesn't, does he? No. 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 (laughs) But it was amazing. I was in, uh, I had a photography class, and I took a lot of pictures of him that night, Uh which I still have. Yeah. Uh, Wow. see how close I was. So, yes, and I saw him ever since. I've seen him every tour he's done.
2: Every tour since 1965.
0: Yeah, because I'm a, I am am a fanatic. When I'm yeah. a fanatic for someone, that's it.
6: Yes,
2: yes. Well, no, we know
0: that. Life. We know yeah. that, yeah. <laughs> he, he, <laughs> he reflected what was going on in my heart and soul and mind and put it into words that I wasn't able to do yet and that's what he did for so many people in my generation and he continues to and this song proves that it's getting outstanding love and respect and amazing reviews from everybody so uh, there's nothing wrong with the song it's eternal it's going to go on forever
2: yeah, I, uh, I, you know, while, you know, I'm, I'm not a, a Dylanologist, uh, I've learned to love Bob over my life. Uh, it uh, came slowly over the decades. Um, but, uh, you know, because of rock and roll archaeology and having to, you know, really dive into who Dylan was and why he was so important to the rock and roll landscape... Um, you know, you, you you if it's not the songs and it's not uh, other things that get you, if you just do a little dive in, uh, that will get you alone because it is just so wide and deep uh, with him, more so than just about anybody in uh, anyone
0: in else. The music. Yeah, more yeah. than anyone else. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So so, <laughs> and you know, he continues. He's going to be seventy nine in May.
2: I know, I know, I know. And now he's come out with. I think you might agree with me because after you know now we've had it for three days. Um, I've read a lot about it. I've read the lyrics over and over. I've spoken yeah, to too. several of our uh, of our hosts about uh, this, and I, I I think I'm ready to call it a masterpiece. How about yourself?
0: Oh God, yes! I knew it was before I even heard it <laughs> <laughs> because almost everything he writes is a masterpiece. But he, you know, he's gone over the top here. Yeah, and yeah. some of these some of these words like. Hush, little children, you'll understand. The Beatles are coming. They're going to hold your hand. Slide down the banister. Go get your coat. Ferry across to Mersey and go for the throat. Wow! You I know? know he goes. He goes from you know seemingly lighthearted to absolute devastation all through the entire song. Yeah, back
2: and forth. It's uh, it's um, almost yeah. like he is encapsulating. The the last um, 60 years, almost 60 yeah. years, uh, yeah. since, since that tragic event in Dealey Plaza on November 22nd, 1963.
0: A whole lot of lyrics he's woven through and a lot of interesting band members' names. You know, you wonder why he chooses Glenn Fry. Yeah yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Yeah,
2: yeah. Yeah. What do you do when you're really Stevie Nixon? You wake up one day and you're now the subject of a Bob Dylan song, you know?
0: I know what a, a thrill. Call <laughs> oh yeah. my God. Yeah, Remember yeah. when he sang out to? he did that for Alicia Keys and I thought, What does she feel like about that? That's incredible. Yeah,
6: yeah, yeah. And how about is. this
0: one? Put your head out the window, let the good times roll, right? Yeah. Sounds great. The next line is "There's a party going on behind the grassy knoll." Come <laughs> um,
2: on, oh. bringing us back, bringing us back to uh, to that fateful yeah. day. Right, right. Oh, so, do, do and, you? And the
0: whole song does that.
2: Yeah, yeah. Do now? Uh, do you? You remember the day Kennedy was killed, right?
0: Oh, of course, I was in school, yeah. like most of us were, uh-huh. um, and yeah, but you know, you you go into a state of shock. I remember the moment, and then that's it. Yeah. The next thing I remember really is watching TV the, the next morning when my my parents were still asleep and seeing Oswald get shot live oh, by Jack on TV. Ruby,
2: Jack Ruby, right, right. Yeah,
0: I mean it was, and they had to get him out of the way. Of course, I don't want to go into my ideas about what really happened because no one really knows, and that's sort of what Bob's song comes out with no one really knows but it's not what we were told ah you well know? there's the line
2: i'm just a patsy like patsy cline yeah
6: mm-hmm.
0: Yep. yeah yeah
2: which yeah is, you know been pushed uh to the oswald uh, you know that's what oswald said uh when he was given you know a, oh, yeah, a, a, a free moment oh, uh, yeah. on a microphone right and uh, yeah. and then yeah. boom the next day he was gone mm, unable to yeah. speak yeah yeah dead men tell no tales yeah. huh And then,
0: of course, Ruby died in quotes of cancer in jail. You know, I I, I never believed it. And when I was a kid, I did, of course, because, you know, I was a kid and that's what they told you. Mm -hmm. But through the years, I realized, I mean, no, there's a lot more to it. And, And Dylan points all that out without casting obvious aspersions to anyone right. in this song it's just genius isn't it it
2: is it, it, it just oh. uh, you know uh, oh. some other things that 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 i i have uh found uh from, from reading about it uh npr counted up the number of song references in the song and there are 75 uh-huh. different oh. songs that are referenced in 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 the, huh. just the songs and not the people yeah and i'm like Yeah. What? 75 different songs. And, you know, and it's almost, uh, you know, in these times of trouble uh, here where we're having to go through a traumatic event, um, not uh, dissimilar to the Kennedy assassination. um, uh, Yeah. In that it's affecting uh, the entire nation uh, one way or another. Um, You know, he's given us like, it's almost like a playlist. Uh, to go and and remind yourself or educate yourself or nostalgic and maybe this is Bob's playlist. I, I've I've uh, posited that a couple it could of times. Be. Yeah, you know, yeah. You know, play Blue Sky by Dicky Betts. Play Art Pepper, Thelonious Monk, Charlie Parker, I and know, all that it's, junk. It's so cool. You know, it's just yeah. you know, it's like oh, oh Or or the, the play something for the Birdman of Alcatraz. Oh man, I haven't seen that movie yeah. in a long time. Uh, I think yes, I'll go back and watch film. that.
0: Right, right, a lot of film film references as well, and a lot of just pop references. Just it just goes on and on and on. You you think you can, you can hardly believe it, but the scary the scary line to me, of course, he says it twice. Is the age of the Antichrist has just only begun? He says that twice. In the, yeah. In the, what do you? And think that he, is like.
2: <laughs> w- yeah. Well, so he well, says he says it at the uh, beginning. Uh, in the first verse i believe uh is it the first verse or the second verse that's that's right and then you're right he does say it again but is is, is, is he talking a, about the current situation or is he talking yes about- i
0: think he is talking about the current situation in the white house and uh how how the pandemic's playing out because of that although of course that was this was written four or five years ago i believe but the the fact that he chose to put it out now, I do believe has to do with our current situation, obviously. Otherwise, he wouldn't have put it out right now.
2: Yeah, uh, yeah, he de- it definitely, yeah. The, the timing is everything, and there is definite yeah. <laughs> meaning in the timing. That we know for sure. Uh, but you're oh, right, it, it ends, play Darkness and Death, Will Come When It Comes, play Love Me or Leave Me by the great Bud Powell, play The Bloodstained Banner play Murder Most Foul. I know. Unbelievable.
0: Yeah, I know. know. It's so good. It's so good that I still haven't taken it all in. Um, And it just came at such an incredibly appropriate time. And everyone's talking about it. You know, he's 79 years old. He's been doing this since he was 20. And he continues to... Inspire, uplift, confound, and freak out everybody! Yay, Bob! <laughs> yeah,
2: it's amazing to be able to do that for oh, what, sixty man, years. Oh for that uh, long! Yeah, yeah. it's um, it's pretty incredible uh, that uh, he, you know, this, you know, this kid from Hibbing, Minnesota, um, would uh, would take it upon himself to uh, to just constantly to me it's the constant changing i mean he is just constantly uh evolving uh and he's done that from the very beginning i mean you know most famously is is well you saw him in 65 uh i take it that was with uh with the band uh after the newport uh uh no he
0: was he was he was solo it was
2: still the acoustic bob
0: yeah he was solo um but he was plugged in he was solo, as I as I recall. Mm. I mean, I know he was solo, but I think he pl- was plugged in too. He had a suit on. He had that herringbone suit on. He had already done Newport, I believe, uh-huh. and he was kind of doing both at that point. Yeah, he would do. And uh... then I saw. Yeah, I saw every incarnation since. I love the one with that he has now that he he he. Plays with the current it's band, beautiful, yeah, yeah. The current band with Charlie and those yeah. guys, Charlie I, Sexy. I, yeah. yeah. I also saw uh his Sinatra phase and saw that at the coat the Kodak Theater. Did you see that? No, no, when he's saying all the standards. Oh my god, uh-huh. it was so far out. Talk about he does whatever the fuck he wants, excuse me.
2: Whatever he <laughs> wants. No, that's okay. We can curse on this show, no problem.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I guess so. I mean, I have cursed on my show. Yeah. <laughs> yes. He does whatever the fuck he wants.
2: That's right. He does. And, uh, <laughs> you know, that, that was part of the promise of, uh, you know, of uh, of America. I, I don't know if anybody can do whatever the fuck they want unless you have money to do
0: so. Yeah, but he did whatever the fuck he wanted without his money for, right. to start with. Of course. You know, and, and he when he plugged into me, to me, that's the sexiest moment in rock and roll when he put that thing into that hole. No, come on! You know that was the sexiest moment there ever has been. Because,
7: well, the way the way you just put it,
0: it, brought
2: it brought sounds it, pretty sexy as well, it is. <laughs> yeah,
0: well, it it brought you know uh, importance to the three chords. Yeah, I yeah. mean it it brought you know f- thought provoking. It's, it's, I, I can't even put into words how much I love this guy.
2: Yeah. No, he, he he is a giant shadow over the entire history of rock and roll and will always be. Uh, you know, it's, uh, you know, I think the further we get away uh, from that period of time, that latter half of the 20th century, which yeah. will be remembered as the rock and roll era. You know, Bob stands uh, right up there. You know, I, I obviously we'd have to throw the Beatles in there, probably the Stones uh, and a few other. Well,
0: he got the Beatles high. Come yeah, on. he did.
2: He got, yeah, yeah. Well, he, <laughs> you know, he, he, he challenged them lyrically yeah. and said, what are you guys oh, yeah. going to quit writing about girls and cars and get serious? Same and,
0: with the Beach Boys, same with Brian Wilson. He yeah, went, uh-oh. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I'm, they all had to up their game because of Bob.
2: Yeah. And, yeah. you know,
0: people who don't respect that, even if they don't like his voice or whatever, which really makes me angry because he's got about 15 voices.
2: He does. Yeah. Yeah. He's constantly his, his changing voice, it. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah, his voice on this is so beautiful. It's like, it's he. It's like so thought provoking, so gentle at the same time. It's all. It's a warning. This song is a warning. I think, and it's a yeah, warning. take it seriously, people.
6: Yeah, yeah.
0: Well,
2: <clears throat> Miss Pamela, thanks so much for your your thoughts on this incredible new Bob Dylan song, "Murdered Most Foul."
0: You're so welcome. Can I tell you one quick thing? Of course. I, I gave him, uh, it, it's a long story, but I gave him my book. I'm with the band to read. And the next time I saw him, I, I wish I, I don't know him well. I'm not saying anything like that. But the next time I saw him, he opened up his arms and said, I read your book cover to cover, and you're a good writer. And wow. that, that, was, that was probably <laughs> High praise. the indeed. best day of my life. I, yeah,
2: yeah, it's 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 as if Shakespeare was was telling you you're a great writer.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I know, I loved it. It was a great, perfect moment for me, so I wanted to share that.
2: That's a great way to end. Thanks, Miss B.
0: Okay, thank you, Christian. Bye.
3: Tommy, can you hear me? I'm the ancient queen. I'm riding in a long black Lincoln limousine Riding in the back seat next to my wife heading straight on into the afterlife I'm leading to the left, I got my head in her lap Oh Lord, I've been led into some kind of a trap well we ask no quarter, no quarter do we give We're well, right down the street From the street where you live They mutilated his body and they took out his brain What more could they do, they piled. Let's
2: welcome Morris Bustynski from Love That Album, a podcast here on Pantheon uh, Podcast Network, uh, to talk about the new Dylan song. How you doing, Morris?
8: Oh, Terrific. Thanks for inviting me to do this, Christian. I'm pretty nervous because I thought, wow, an hour to prepare <laughs> to discuss a Bob Dylan song. And a 17-minute
2: scholars- Bob Dylan, the longest Bob Dylan song ever recorded.
8: Indeed, wow! Um, I'm trying to think. What was it? There was a song that was at the end of "Time Out of Mind." Yes, Um, that uh, was like that was previously the longest one. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. But uh, this takes the cake now.
8: Oh yeah, oh yeah. Um, But yeah, uh, an hour to prepare for the longest (laughs) Bob Dylan song, where you got university academics who'll be discussing this for the next 500 years. Exactly. And we've got to come up with something in an hour. That makes us better than
2: Well, that's why we're talking is because I think all of us kind of woke up uh, this morning and went, what? What's this? And listened to it and went, oh, my God, what are we going to do with this? And I thought, geez, you know, well, I I luckily (laughs) – have at my fingertips a uh an entire group of uh of music uh historians or you know musicologists uh, amateur or not uh and I could get uh their you know first impressions uh because yes it, it is a big lift to to get into anything deeper than the first impressions so you know please no pressure but what were your first <laughs> thoughts
8: okay uh my first thoughts listening to it from a musical perspective I listened to it a couple of times this morning Mm -hmm. and first time was really sort of trying to soak in the feel of the music and uh, I love the fact that he's taking the approach of it being very dreamlike it's there's no time signature on this. It's like we're going to have these two chords go back and forth, back and forth, and then later on there'll be another two chords that go back and forth. But it's like, okay, we're ready to change chord. There's no time signature on. So it really does have the impression of it being a dream, and we have uh, the feel of more you know, Baroque instrumentation with uh, drum kit being played with Brush. orchestral yeah, mallets. Yeah. or, or what was it I think mallets. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah uh and and piano there's an australian baroque ensemble i'm not sure if they've called it a day or not but they were called my friend the chocolate cake and um the music is a, you know a little bit more straight when i say straight ahead i guess it's more you know time signature based it doesn't free flow like this but my friend the chocolate cake were the first thing musically that came to my mind while oh. listening while listening to this song um and then I had to go back and listen to it and just take in the lyrics again. So what I found interesting, I thought, like, from the first few lines of the song, I thought, okay, is this going to be like Hurricane? Is it going to be right. a relatively straightforward telling of the assassination? Of a tale. Of, right, 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 right. Exactly. And, mm-hmm. like, the the early days of Dylan, when he did songs like uh, uh, The Lonesome Death of Hattie Carroll or, or um, uh, Hollis Brown, or he used to do. Um, I mean, we, so we tend to think of Dylan as writing these very oblique lyrics and writing all these strange dreamlike words, which is why academics are still discussing. What does it all mean? through You mean, to you mean
2: why he got the Nobel prize?
8: <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly. Because no one understands what they're about. God must be clever. Uh, but there was a time where he would also write songs that were just very well written, but still, straight ahead narrative yeah yeah uh, we want to get something across so my my first thought was okay is this going to be that sort of song and then within a few lines it's quite evident that it's not he but he weaves in and out and so the other pop said so we were discussing off air before christian about how there's so many pop cultural references in this song. Oh my
2: god. Yeah. So I think uh, I just re- read that uh, you know uh, there are 75 song references in oh. this 117 minute piece. But there's
8: also film yeah. references. Yeah. Yeah. In yeah. Buster play Keaton and uh, Buster yeah, play Keaton. M- yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah,
2: it's just there's yeah, it's like it's like the 20th century cultural touchstones uh, that may mean probably mostly to Bob himself but also to, you know, those generations.
8: Well, look, unless I've missed it, I'm thinking that one pop cultural reference that I think would have been really appropriate for this song would have been some reference to David Lynch, because David Lynch's films are all about subversion of straight narratives, about dreams, and I'm sure that there are some learned David Lynch listeners out there who are going to say, you don't know what the hell you're talking about. But (laughs) that is what I've always seen about David Lynch films very dreamlike. Dreamlike, yeah. And this song is, to me, dreamlike. Dreamlike from a, a musical perspective, as I mm-hmm. mentioned before. And the other thing is, and I'm not sure how quite I can explain this, but the the structure of the song it keeps weaving in and out of what happens to JFK, uh, and then moving into pop culture references. You know, uh, play play this song play that song and a lot of them are artists who would have been around at the time yeah contemporaneous JFK, so. mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. and then there are a lot of artists they refer to Lindsay Buckingham and Stevie Nicks and they refer yeah. to Queen another another yeah. one 70s yeah yeah um and or, I mean although mind you some of those songs you're sort of going to wonder whether they're in relation to JFK himself you know don't let me be misunderstood uh, another one bites the dust in the best possible taste uh blue sky uh mentioning from uh, dickie betts of the allman brothers um and my hypothesis about this despite the fact that there's a lot of these cultural references that even went around in 63 is that we always sort of think about how we always use the expression that my life flashed before me in those final seconds, when I thought I was going to die, you know, when yep. when there's a, yep. someone has a near death yep. expe- uh, experience, mm. and especially I I like, might know in where the, you're going. In the last verse, which is predominantly about those pop cultural reference, play Oscar Peterson, play Stan Getz, uh, Charlie Parker, uh, play Bugsy Siegel, play Pretty Boy Floyd, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And then we get to a point in the verse where. It's almost like JFK has regained a little bit of consciousness or they're speaking to him. Don't worry, Mr. President. Help's on the way. And there's a few lines in relation to that. And then the verse, the final verse and the end of the song finishes off with going back to play this song, play that song, play Moonlight Sonata. Uh, and it's almost like he's gone back into... That final dream is gone into his life, flashing before his eyes. He like, a You mean it you mean to...
2: Bob, Bob himself? No, 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 no.
8: J- J- JFK. JFK. Yeah, yeah, and, so, saying...
2: so maybe if he had survived and lived through those times, mm-hmm. this now would be, you know, these cultural references he would still, um, you know, be involved in because he would have lived.
8: Yes, exactly. Uh, I mean, I think that a lot of these. Songs. I, a lot of the song references, they are for what came subsequently. I mean, I don't know whether someone more learned than I am could you know, make a case that says, well, this song exists in as part of the uh, cultural renaissance that took place after the assassination of JFK, or is it quite independent? I mean, the obvious thing that is made reference in the second verse is the Beatles oh, coming yeah, to America. Yeah, yeah uh, I want to hold your hand, yeah. That's that's right. Or in these Corona times, I don't want to hold your hand. Uh, <laughs> but uh, there's there's uh, so much that has been written and spoken about that when America needed cheering up, because there was so yep. much love for JFK, then these four lovable mop tops just yep. happened to come in at the right time. We were speaking off air before about they had the zeitgeist they had. was was it the coincidence that these two great songwriters and Lennon and McCartney happened to meet each other and live so close to each other and take advantage of what was happening at the time. They took what had come before with rock and roll and they said, right, we're going to experiment. And they they had the luxury of a company that said, okay, yeah, we'll let you experiment a bit. And yet they still managed to do hundreds of concerts, TV shows, appearances, and two albums a year up until 1967. When
6: they quit, yeah.
8: Uh, when they well, it's the it like sixty six. They, yeah. they, quit, they, quit, they quit the road. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. There, but thereafter, it was only one album. Per, well, actually, no, because they recorded "Let It Be" and "Abbey Road" in one year. Yeah. But they they were you know, incredibly productive. But they had the luxury of of being able to do what it was for as long as they wanted to. I know I'm digressing here, but you know they, they were the first band to say in, in England to say, well, we're not going to work on office hours. We're not just doing recording from nine to five. We, we feel creative at two in the morning and yep. the Beatles are allowed to do that. Um, so I've digressed onto the Beatles here, but the original point was that these guys who had this creativity and were allowed to use it came in at the right time. They had plenty to offer America. They had plenty to offer the world with their creativity and uh, what they saw is this is we want to extend the ability of what songwriting and uh, uh, storytelling can be. We, we want to be oblique. We want to be straight ahead. Uh, we want to be political. Uh, we want to write a beautiful lullaby. We want to do a collage of experimental sounds put together, um, it, it just all within a space of... Seven years, yeah, and yeah, in, and and Dylan is sort of recognizing at the beginning of this second verse these four guys. It's not just oh, hey, they're popular. I might as well sort of bring them. They get their own special mention because first. not, ju- yeah, not they're, just.
2: They're, I think they're the first uh, uh, cultural reference outside of JFK in the song.
8: Right, right, exactly, exactly. So they uh, they're mentioned there not just because of when they came along and they made America smile but because of what they were able to continue on and go on mm-hmm. to do I mean people who he mentions like Stan Getz and Charlie Parker were yeah, you know yeah. well before all of that mm-hmm. and they had their their own uh uh, uh uh putting the handprint on the on the musical landscape and on the cultural landscape mm-hmm. and that's why we still talk about those people today but in the, the pop landscape, which doesn't matter. You like the Beatles, you don't like the Beatles. Not everyone's heard of Stan Getz. Everyone knows who the Beatles are. And this is what they did to the musical and cultural and wider landscape. Mm -hmm.
2: So, so why do you think he put this song out today?
8: Uh, Well, you know what? I've been asking myself that all morning. You're thinking, right, well, he's going to put out a song that's, uh, that's going to be more metaphorical for the current situation that we find ourselves in, although you, there's a line in there that says the Antichrist is coming. So, is he talking about then or uh, now? Exactly. Is it, yeah. Was he talking about Trump and coronavirus? Who knows? It, Who it, knows it, what he's is talking
2: about? Is that Mr. President at the end in the in the fifth verse? Is is Mr. President not JFK, but the current <laughs>
8: Oh my lord! I I don't even what well, the, the line. I'm going to have to go back and read that. <laughs> um, but why? Look, why he put this out now? This could have just been uh, a song. I look, I've done a little bit of reading, and there was some suggestion that uh, this song might have been something that was recorded for tempest the yeah last in 2012 yeah, yeah, a, a yeah. original material it makes and sense to said, me
2: because he mentions you know he said he says it was 50 years ago uh there's a reference right. to that which you know sounds 2012 2013 that would have been you know 2013 would have been 50 yeah, years yeah, exact yeah. whereas now we're in 2020 closer to 60 years so mm. uh yeah and i i think that's a, some distinct possibility that this was recorded around that uh, those sessions
8: So he's probably sort of thinking, what can I offer to the music listening public? What can I offer to the world to say, right, well, we're all doing it hard at the moment. We're all doing it tough. Uh, What can I do to contribute to uh, people to listen? I know I'm held in high regard by uh, my fans, well, here's a, here's a song for you that I just happen to have lying around, and it possibly speaks to the current environment. So I think,
2: I think it also gives you, it's almost like, hey, here's Bob's playlist. Um, You know, go out and listen to Moonlight Sonata, uh, Deep in a Dream, but, you know, play some Jelly Roll Morton, uh, you know, play Marching Through Georgia, uh, you know, and, and maybe that's what, what he's also saying is like, you know, hey, you're all stuck doing nothing, you know, go and educate yourself if you haven't played any of this stuff. If you're not Familiar with these people? Uh, maybe for the a younger audience, you know, who's Buster Keaton, who's Harold Lloyd? Oh, geez, that's a hundred years ago. Let's let's go look at that.
8: Mm. And those the, their work is as brilliant today as it ever was. And when you think that yeah. they did their own stunts and were super funny, yeah, uh, yeah they're both yeah both geniuses. Mm-hmm. Um, so look, I, I, and with all these cultural references, once again, we we're speaking off-air, Christian, uh, about how this is the anti we didn't start the fire uh, <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Is- yeah
2: there's no there's no discernible melody no hook uh you know uh in this <laughs> uh like uh like that other song uh you know it is uh, dreamlike i think is is a great i i i've been um, uh, using the term atmospheric or cinematic but i mm. I, I like dreamlike I, I think that's and i think we're we're very close in that because you you know you 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 mentioned uh, uh um david lynch uh you know uh having that so there there's the film reference to it so maybe right. that's it to it you know musically uh you know i, I, I th- what what do you think of bob's delivery on this and in, in his voice here
8: well look i got to say i haven't really listened to much new bob since love and theft i uh i I listened to a little bit of modern times and there was just too much come on bob write a new melody it doesn't all have to be 12 bar blues um but and i listened i'm look i'm gonna say it right now i've listened to a lot of bob dylan bootlegs over the years. And I think you need to add a show to the Pantheon Podcast Network speaking about the great bootlegs of rock history. Oh, yeah. Oh, in general. general you're, you're right. Um, right. But um, I, so, yeah, I'd heard a lot of stuff over the last, well, I, I, certainly over the 2000 to 2010 period, and he just sings two notes. He can't really stretch beyond that anymore and i know that a lot of people have said that bob dylan bob dylan didn't have the greatest of voices to begin with even in his heyday i call bullshit to that i've always loved his voice bob dylan was the guy who said you don't need to sing like tony bennett you don't need to sing perfect You, you 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 can sing with the common man's voice yeah and it's which is what he great. was always going for.
2: You know, remember his, his hero is Woody Guthrie who right. was the ultimate every man's voice.
8: Exactly. And look, Bob Dylan circa blood on the tracks and uh, desire is vocal wise. My favorite mm. Dylan period as singer mm. and mind you two absolutely pinnacle yeah. albums yeah. as well. But that's probably my favorite period of him as a singer. Uh, at the moment as i said he's only got the two notes so rather long introduction to say that i really actually like the vocals on this it's still just the two notes and it's a rambling delivery but it goes well with this song and it's dreamlike nature it's a it's a uh, what, what's a word i'm thinking of but um uh, just spirit of consciousness just He's, he's rambling. It does but seem it,
2: like there's some stream of consciousness going to it. Yes. Yeah, stream. Thank you.
8: That's what uh, it's, it, it just so completely works for this song. Uh, I mean, if I were to listen to a whole album of those two notes with, you know, 10 different songs, I don't know. But this, as its own thing, um, I really, really love his voice on this. It, it works. It works so much for me. So, um, and look, I, when I played the song this morning, uh, my wife Joanne and I, we listened to it together twice and i was wondering she like she's a long time bob dylan fan uh and um i was sort of really curious to see what she would think and we we're having a bit of a discussion over breakfast you know uh what this meant what that meant and that's probably like a discussion for another time once you know we've sort of lived with the song you might want to do this again maybe three months from now Oh, no, maybe yeah uh, good idea but um but uh in i, I was sort of thinking You know, will she last the 17 minutes out? But she so completely did. You know, we both both did. I was able to play it twice in a row without shuffling my feet or thinking, oh, I wish this is a bit shorter. It it held me riveted and all the more so incredible, considering that we're not talking about a hooky melody. We're not talking about a narrative that is straightforward. So, you know, what happens next? You just sort of think, what's he going to do next? Uh, and, and yeah, look the dreamlike nature of this. I keep coming back to that, Christian. But
2: I think um, that's I think that's your, your your point is that it is it's it's dreamlike, uh, and 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 isn't the past dreamlike in general?
8: Yes, yes. But of course, as is important to do, he's already gone. He, he brings it. You say he mentions the fifty years later. Thing uh, and it's it's important to sort of say right well how does that relate to what happens now the the deeds of the past do we learn from them and I don't know whether this is that sort of song that we're actually supposed to say right well do we learn from it and then yet in a way I think we there is one line in it that we do and if this is written before the rise of Trump I mean we, look, hate hatred has. has always been in fashion. It's nothing new to the last four years or so. But there was a line in it. I'm trying to remember where it was, but it was something about, um, oh, that's right. He said, we're going to kill you with hatred without any respect. We'll mock you and shock you and we'll put it in your face. We've already got someone here to take your place. And that is very 2020 to me, even though that was about Lyndon B. Johnson ready to take over for JFK. Yeah. uh and um, uh, i'm the yeah, parallels so, yeah, yeah yeah
2: yeah well <clears throat> morris um we just wanted to get uh you know a couple of different uh first impressions and uh we appreciate uh you giving us yours
8: thank you so much christian really appreciate the the offer to do this and um I, i'm hoping that i didn't come off sounding like i didn't know what the hell i was talking about I normally take you know days and days and weeks to sort of put thoughts together on oh, this. Is- I,
2: I, I know I'm totally putting people on the spot. Don't worry <laughs> about that.
8: I <laughs> Real, no, really appreciate it, Christian. Thank you so much.
3: What's new, pussycat? What'd I say? I said the soul of a nation will turn away. And it's beginning to go into a slow decay And then it's 36 hours, past judgment day Wolfman Jack, he's speaking in tongues He's going on and on at the top of his lungs Play me a song Mr. Play it for me in my long Play me With little... us now
2: is Cindy House from Basic Folk uh, to talk about this new Dylan song. Cindy, first of all, how are you doing?
7: Oh, I'm, you know, doing as good as probably most other people are doing these days. Thanks for thanks for having me on. Of course. Of
2: course. Yeah, we're all kind of self-isolating, or at least those of us that, uh, you know, take this serious are self-isolating. Uh, hopefully mm-hmm. more and more people are picking up on that message every day, uh, so that we can, you know, lower the curve, uh, not, uh, inundate our healthcare system and, you know, get through this, uh, as quickly as possible. Totally. Well, uh, a lot of musicians are, are putting out a lot of work right now. Uh, some, uh, you know, as simple as a Facebook live moment with an acoustic guitar, uh, others, um. Like Pearl Jam just happens to have an album, a complete new album that uh, released today. Um, but mm-hmm. uh, the focus is uh, this new epic Bob Dylan song, Murder Most Foul. So have you had a chance to listen to it?
7: Oh, yeah. Uh, I listened to it the day that it came out. Um, I saw it. Um, I saw people talking about it on Twitter. And normally when I see I'm like looking at things on twitter i feel very distracted in general so i don't find it to be a great news source so when i saw that bob dylan had a new song released i felt kind of just like exhausted like oh my god here's something that i also have to keep up with because it was also new music friday so Waxahachie has a new record out and margaret glaspie has a new record out and marcarelli has a new record out and i want to listen to all these records today and then you see Bob Dylan releases a 17-minute long song, <laughs> and
2: pla- uh the the, the what, what is it uh, 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 the plans of, of mice and men? Uh, is, is, is not, I'm I'm really uh, uh, cutting up that quote, but uh, yeah, the well laid well laid plans of mice and men. Yes, uh, and right. so all that goes out the window, right?
7: Right, right. And I was just like, I mean, I've got to say, Christian, that Bob Dylan is like my hands down number one artist of all time. Like he's an artist of a lifetime. So I was just kind of like, all right, I got to get to this. And then I, you know, ignored it for a little while longer. And I saw a couple of my well-respected peers posting about it. And so finally, when Kim Rule, who is formerly the editor in chief at No Depression, she, she wrote something that was like, when you listen to this, make sure that you digest every word, every thought. And I was like, <laughs> wow, okay, mm-hmm. here we go. Mm-hmm. So I pulled it up and then I also went to this lyric website, genius.com, because I thought, I'm not sure if you're familiar with that website, but I am. It originally was for rap lyrics, right? And mm-hmm. so, like, line by line it explains like what each line means and I thought there you know this is a brand new song but there's got to be some speculation as to like what these lyrics mean so that's what I did I listened to it and read along on Genius and then tried to keep up with the um, with the the commentary and a lot of the commentary was like you know it was all unverified at that point and it was people just sort of speculating and the people were like updating um their commentary live while i was reading it so it wasn't even totally complete and it probably still isn't even complete at this point but you know i just was like all right i have a meeting in a half an hour i'm gonna sit here and listen to this song like it's my job and i i listened through it and Wow, it was it was long. The music sounds really cool, actually, in the background. And the way he sings, I kind of like really wanted him he sings like old Bob Dylan, but he's writing this song like a young Bob Dylan, and I really wanted him to, you know, sing it like like he would like Desolation Row or one of those. Uh, oh epically long songs for like every once in a while. I was like, when is he going to start singing like that? There was one line in particular, and I wish I could remember what it was where he like changes his tone just like a little bit Mm -hmm. to be like kind of jokey. And there's so many verses that I'm not going to remember.
2: There's five verses.
7: Yeah. And they're all like totally packed. Yes. But, um, I love the, uh, What I love is the the multiple references to Wolfman Jack as a radio person, you know?
2: Yeah, yeah. yeah. He shows up in the first first verse, um, Wolfman, oh, Wolfman, oh, Wolfman, howl, uh, with no uh, expectation that we know it's the radio DJ until later in the song when he literally calls Wolfman Jack out.
7: Right. And then he's like he's listing all of these things that he would like Wolfman Jack to play him on the radio. And Mm. that's the rest of the song basically. Yeah. Um, And it's interesting, the things that he's calling out, it seems like I could be wrong, but it, uh, no, that maybe that's not like, I was thinking that it was all, um, material that had been released after JFK, Mm was assassinated but i don't think that's right because he's pulling up like oscar peterson and i oh, think at Thelonious one point, Monk,
2: all that jazz he pulls up charlie uh, parker play yeah. Mer-
7: merchant yeah. of ben- venice
2: yeah shakespeare mm-hmm.
7: yeah mm-hmm. um so it, i also i also think that bob dylan is like the most hilarious person so uh i'm i'm sure like all of this is like super meaningful but it's also like as like a um a former radio DJ, like constantly getting requests from people like play this song, play that song, play this song, play that song. That's like, it was just like a laundry list of requests, um, which was a little funny to me.
2: Yeah. In, in, in a, in a weird sort of way, what, what I've taken away, especially in that latter half of the song is, Oh, geez, I, 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 I better go, uh, uh, play a little, uh, Uh, Down by the Boondocks uh, or Nature Boy, uh, you know, or Stella by Starlight, uh, these things that he calls out. Um, And it's, you know, we're we're all stuck in or we're supposed to be stuck in this self isolation, which gives us plenty of time to uh, look for content. And it's almost like Bob has created a nice little playlist for everybody.
7: Oh, yeah, (laughs) that is funny. Yeah. Yeah, because I think, like, the number one question I'm asking people is, like, what movie do you recommend that I watch right now? Yeah, Netflix show or
2: what have you. Right, right.
7: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's it's like a real um, window into, you know, music that is meaningful to him enough to put it in a song like this.
2: You know, it's funny, you know, Bob Bob has been asked many times, uh, you know, uh, how significant the assassination of JFK was to him in his life. And he's uh, kind of uh, deflected a lot. Uh, And uh, I think at one time he in an interview, he kind of said, well, if it was really that important, I would have wrote a
7: song about it. I think he's such a liar sometimes, (laughs) you know, like I'm I like my mom is my mom and dad are the age of like they were in high school, I think, when JFK was assassinated. And my former uh, colleague at WYEP, Rosemary Welsh, uh, she was a younger kid. And I remember like Rosemary was really good at, uh, you know, recounting her history to me just in conversation and she would talk how like deeply affected she was by not only JFK's murder, but Martin Luther King and, um, uh, Bobby Kennedy. Kennedy
6: well.
7: mm, yeah. yeah. And like, you know, my mom is, um, she, she was also affected and definitely has been like, I remember where I was when we heard the news and it's just like, there's no way that if you were alive in that time that that didn't have some kind of emotional impact on you. So also i I have the theory about Bob Dylan is that he is the, he's playing like the long con where he's like, "I'm gonna tell you that I'm not affected by the by the assassination of JFK and then forty years later, I'm gonna release a seventeen minute song all about it <laughs> and Have you guys just flounder and squirm and try to figure it out
2: uh, that would uh, definitely be Bob wouldn't it?
6: Mm -hmm. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, What do you think of the music uh, uh, that accompanies these uh, wonderful lyrics?
7: I think it sounds pretty different than um, the music that he's done before.
6: Mm
7: -hmm. Uh, It definitely sounds like the schmaltz um, of the crooners that he's been digging into as of late has has rubbed off on him. Uh But I liked it. I also thought it was chill enough that it didn't take away from the important aspect of of the song, which is the lyrical content.
2: Yeah, I, I found it very atmospheric uh, in the background, definitely, uh, and rather cinematic. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I take it you'll be listening to the song more than once.
7: I don't know. <laughs> uh, maybe. Maybe. Uh, I would like to, you know what, I would, I listened to it once. I would like to read more about it ah, than yes. listen to it again. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. You know? Well, it starts with, uh, it was a dark day in Dallas, November 63, and then it ends in the same manner of play the bloodstained banner, play Murder Most Foul.
7: Thanks a lot, Bob.
2: and with that we have Cindy Howes from Basic Folk's take on the new Bob Dylan song Murder Most Foul
7: thank you
3: play please don't let me be misunderstood play it for the first lady she ain't feeling a good Play down Henley, play and Fry Take it to the limit and let it go by Play it for cow wisdom too Looking far, far way down Gower Avenue Play tragedy, play twilight time Take me back to Tulsa to the scene of the crime Play another one and another one Bites the dust
2: all right, with me now is Lucas Hare uh, from Is It Rolling uh, Bob? Talking Dylan. Uh, and unfortunately, uh, his co-host, uh, Carrie Shale, couldn't make it with us today. So we're just going to talk to Lucas. Uh, probably the the perfect show, the perfect person to talk to uh, regarding uh, Murder Most Foul. So Lucas... What were your first impressions?
9: No pressure. <laughs> All right, 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 right. <laughs> well, um, I woke up like many Dylan fans yesterday morning and just, uh, am I allowed to swear? Of course. Just, fuck, just fuck, swear. Fuck, fuck yes. Fuck. yes. Yeah, what yeah. the fuck? There's, there's a new song by Bob Dylan. It appears to be the longest one he's ever released. It is, yeah. Uh, it's longer than Highlands. Right. Um, it quotes, I mean, I, I know I, – you know, immediately noticed that the title was a quote from Hamlet right. and the artwork was a picture of John F. Kennedy. Um, so I thought, right, I'm, I'm going in. Um, and what an interesting piece of work. I mean, it's, uh, I've, I've read various things that have said, it's, you know, it's not melodically that interesting, but it is a, a essentially a, a poem. No, uh, yeah. I was talking to a friend yesterday and we both agreed this, that, that actually, given that it's his longest song, when it ends, it ends very, very abruptly. And you sort of want it to go on forever. And maybe that's something to do with the fact that we're lulled into it as it proceeds. Mm-hmm. Um, or I don't know. I mean, I, as I get older, I, I have less and less problems with long songs. I get really, really into them. But, I mean, there's so many little things to kind of pick out of it. Um, Please, begin picking. I mean, the lines that jumped out at me... Uh, that it's kind of conversational for at the beginning. It says, you know. And let's <clears> just <throat>
2: remind everybody that yeah, it's seventeen minutes long, and there are five verses.
9: Well, I yeah, I mean, I didn't even know where the verse breaks come because I'm just I've just transcribed, well, nicked a tr- someone else's transcription off the internet. Um, so it's just a big blur stream of consciousness that I've got here on my device. But it starts off fairly literally talking about right November, uh, the twenty second yeah. nineteen sixty three the day of the death of, of John F. Kennedy. Um, and immediately that's interesting because Dylan historically doesn't often deal in specifics, mm-hmm. you know, but he says, "'Twas a dark day in Dallas, November 63, and the artwork is a picture of John F. Kennedy." This is quite clearly, I mean, yeah. at some point in his career, he may say, you thought that song was about John F. Kennedy. It, it wasn't, you know. <laughs> I'm sure um, he'll go Yeah, path. of course he will, yeah. But initially, it's very literal. Mm, yeah. um, it mentions dee Plaza. It mentions Johnson waiting in the wings. We, we've already got someone here to take your place, they say. Um, very shocking. I mean, it's very shocking imagery very early on when they say things like they, they blew off his head while he was still in the car. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, there's no. this is not romantic uh, lyric poetry. This is quite literal at the beginning, anyway. Um, perfectly executed you know that's a, a little little pun uh, an early mention of, of wolfman who we yeah. later found out is wolfman jack for any american graffiti fans out there
2: yeah the famous dj mm-hmm. yeah
9: um murder most foul as i've said comes from hamlet the the ghost of hamlet's father uh, visits hamlet and and says i was murdered basically and i want you to revenge my foul and most unnatural murder And murder he goes murder murder most foul as in the best it is Mm -hmm. so that's that's an image i want to come back to later because i think that's important um the first thing that hit me when i heard it was i thought this is like a bit like tempest or roll on john from the album tempest
2: i think it was recorded at that time, um, and I'll tell you, there's a there's a line in it that says, uh, you know, this happened 50 years ago, yes. and that fits the timeline of the recording of Tempest, which was done in 2012, yeah, better better than it would today because now we're getting close to 60 years from the event.
9: Yeah, although I mean, I thought that at first. I don't think it's from the Tempest sessions. Oh. I think I, I think the song might date from around there because it's very similar to to Roll on John and all those. You know not great beatles uh, references in roll on john you've got another one here um <clears throat> the beatles are coming they're going to hold your hand you know that's not particularly offensive or, or trite but it's it's similar to what you get in roll on john but the vocal quality if you listen to his voice over the last 10 years his voice is smoother and not quite as there's a sort of uh higher slightly gravelly tone to his voice on tempest and together through life and Christmas in the Heart, and you go through them, and you think it really sounds quite recent. His voice sounds like it does on triplicate, but I think the song might have been kicking around for a bit longer. But who knows? I mean, yeah. he said yeah. in the press release, I wrote it a while ago,
2: yeah. But that could be last week, uh, or it could have been 20 years ago. It could, yeah. have, he could, he could have actually began writing this, uh, you know, back around the time of the event, you know, you never know. He could
9: have, he could have even though he. He avoided specificity about it at the time, and there was speculation that Kennedy was the blue-eyed son Mm -hmm. in Harder is Gonna Fall. But then we get to the bit which, I don't know if you ever have had a look at Greel Marcus's website, but Greel Marcus, the the esteemed writer and critic, has a wonderful website where basically you can ask him anything. He calls it Ask Greel. And he pretty much answers the questions you submit or he has in my experience and somebody called johnny savage wrote in yesterday and said i don't know if you're aware of this speech by lawyer vincent salandria given in dallas on friday november the 20th 1998. and it's only a few lines but i'll read it to you because it sounds familiar i'm going to woodstock it's the aquarian age then i'll go to altamont and sit near the stage Put your head out the window, let the good times roll, there's a party going on behind the grassy knoll. Stack up the bricks, pour the cement, don't say Dallas don't love you, Mr. President. Put your foot in the tank and then step on the gas, try to make it to the triple underpass.
2: Really? That's a direct quote from a speech from 1998.
9: As much as we can trust the internet, yes. (laughs)
2: <laughs> yeah of course, of course I, yeah we need a second source to, uh, to 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 guarantee that that is the case, but wow, it's a complete yeah. lift
9: yeah, um now you know it, it depends what side of the tracks you're coming from in, in the whole is Dylan a plagiarist argument. I mean, I think there's there's more to it than that, but that is that is a very, very specific.
2: Lift, yeah, that, a, yeah. Uh, that's not just a line. I mean, <clears throat> that's uh, you know, that's a full stanza uh, to uh, to take, huh? I I will yeah. have to look at the writing credits for the song and see if uh, if he <laughs> if he's added uh, well, the uh, this
9: is the man who who released an album of, of folk and blues songs in 1992 and, and it said all words and music by Bob Dylan. So <laughs> right, <laughs> just, right. you know, good I luck with that. Right? Yeah, I don't know, but. Um, yeah and then i guess what happens is after the literal section it's sort of well it stays quite literal for quite a long time i think looking back on it that one of given the fact that it's a kind of dylan's version of american pie without the catchiness
2: uh yeah yeah i've I've read that uh, some have compared it to that as well
9: well it's Whereas that song begins with the death of Buddy Holly and then goes through to the late 60s and sort of embraces that generation. This song is also interesting in that it doesn't really embrace the pre-Kennedy era. I mean, there's a little, there's a reference to Nat King Cole and there's a reference uh, to the Elvis.
2: oh and, well also Buster Keaton uh, and, Buster, and and uh, Harold yeah. Lloyd uh, uh, I think uh, there's um, uh, Gone with the Wind uh, Miss Scarlett yeah, no, that's, true. that's like all that. true
9: but yeah. by that point it gets sort of quite freeform but but in terms of music yeah there's no Little Richard yeah there's no Elvis Presley there's no none of these these people we know what well, he, he does
2: mention stiff. Mystery Train wouldn't that be Elvis.
9: True, okay, I'll, I'll I'll take that. And he also says, long black Lincoln limousine, which is a kind of sly nod to both Elvis and Jerry Lewis. Yeah. Uh, Jerry Lewis did his own song about JFK called Lincoln Limousine, and Elvis did long black limousine. Yeah, okay, Mystery Train. Um, but I don't know, he seems, Elvis and, and that sort of era to me, the rock and rollers, seem curiously absent. Mm-hmm. You know, knowing mm-hmm. how much Buddy Holly and... Little Richard and Elvis meant and mean to down. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. Instead, he focuses oh. on Carl Wilson or Don Henley, Glenn fry things like yeah. that.
9: <laughs> Carl, I've got to say, the Carl Wilson reference is my favorite obscure rock geek clue in the whole thing. Oh,
2: it's Warren Zevon. He's he's actually talking about Warren Zevon. Yeah,
9: yeah, from Desperados Under the Eaves, which is the just the greatest song off, off I think his greatest album, but even for for the hardened Zevon fans carl wilson and some of the beach boys did some of the backing vocals on that song i think Zevon got them in the studio just to sing the word california (laughs) right right and when california slides into the ocean like the mystics and statistics say it will so that's a very obscure reference to carl wilson via warren Zevon. which yeah i really like um what else? I mean, there's a, a few phrases in there that Dylan has used before. Blood in my eye. Uh, only the good die young and Memphis in June, both of which mm. appear in Infidel's outtakes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I just saw another one. St. James Infirmary, which has the same melody as Blind Willie McTell. Um, and the most interesting thing about this this last section, when it goes into this kind of, Chant really the last sort of 10 lines they all begin with the word play
6: yeah yeah
9: now yeah. play can mean various things particularly when bob dylan's saying it but he sort of seems to be going through this sort of free-form thing where he's just calling up various mainly musical spirits but he ends by saying play murder most foul which of course is the song you just spent the last 17 minutes listening to so as the song winds down he's saying Go back Play. to the
2: beginning and do it again. <laughs> all right.
9: So it's kind of, I don't know, What is it Griel Marcus talks about I'm Not There? He says it's like a whirlpool, you know, and I think this song is a bit like a whirlpool. You get to the end and, and really there is nowhere else to go but back to the beginning. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, yeah, I've mean, only really listened to it three or four times in about 36 hours. There's a, an awful lot more to discover. But, uh, yeah, that's all I can think of really right now. Well, you want to-
2: let me ask you this. Because um, I, I kind of got into it uh, on social media uh, uh, last night with some folks who thought it was horrible, and I think I I, I I'm beginning to b- believe that this is a masterpiece.
9: Yeah, I mean I I spoke to or heard from via social networks two or three people yesterday who were impossibly moved by it at least two of which are not really Dylan fans. Yeah, yeah. And I thought that was really interesting. Yeah,
2: I I, I, I listened to it. Um, uh, you know, it was, you know, woke up, came out, was like, oh, oh, oh really? Okay. Uh, and, uh, and, you know, and you start, you know, to play it, and you're like, first of all, it's 17 minutes long. Um, uh, but, you know, musically, I, I found the, the atmospheric um cinematic uh and and to steal a line from one of our other hosts uh Morris um uh from Love That Album um he used the term dreamlike in a David Lynchian sort of way and I liked that I I was like yeah that same thing The, the the music is is sort of background uh and Bob is all out front and and you know, to your point, uh, Lucas, it's 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 really a poem m- first and foremost, and I just I I I got like into the first uh, verse and yeah, tears started streaming down my cheek for n- no reason, and I'm I'm not the biggest Bob Dylan fan in the world. I've learned to love Bob over uh, the decades. Um, you know, I, I unfortunately first encountered Bob Dylan uh, with the Grateful Dead as his back backing band, and that was, I can tell you, a huge mistake. Um, neither one of them were. were <laughs> that was a pairing that should never have
6: happened. <laughs> I love
2: the dead. I've learned to love Bob, but that was my first experience, and uh, it didn't do either one uh, a, a, a good job there. So, but, uh, uh, you know, over over the the, the the decades, I've seen him four times, and I got to say, the last time I saw him, which was uh, back in October, um, here at the Frost Amphitheater, I walked away going, totally get it now. I, I now I understand why he's a G- he G- was was on the in, road. Yeah, it was in a fine voice. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It just the whole atmosphere of the show was re- just really worked well for him. It, by the way, was filled with Kleeg lights and and looked like a set, like a Hollywood set. The way the way the the stage was, and um, and so to come across this, you know, four months later is to just go wow I mean uh, uh, just a, a big deal so but you're the expert on on Bob in our little pantheon network so uh, you know what do you think
9: well I, the other thing that, that I think is worth touching on is why why this now yeah. um, I mean obviously we are all holed up in our houses as this horrific pandemic sweeps the globe and, and levels us all to alarmingly similar beings we're all vulnerable to the same things um all of a sudden and you know i was watching for example neil young was putting out on his website a little yeah. thing called fireside sessions yeah yeah out in tall Tellur- telluride right his home there mm-hmm. and it's just really really lovely uh, i am mean, i'm a subscriber to his site so i would have got it anyway but he's put it out the content out for free of him just playing the guitar outside and by the fire for 20 minutes and i think he's put out two of them and they're like little gifts to those of us that are stuck in our houses, i.e. all of us. And I remember thinking just 48 hours ago, yeah, Bob Dylan wouldn't do that. <laughs> <laughs> um, Wrong. <laughs> yeah, You know, there it is. There's this enormous present that he's given us. But why now? Why, uh, as someone said on Twitter yesterday, is the most Dylan-esque thing to do is in the middle of a worldwide pandemic, drop a 17-minute song about John F. Kennedy. Uh, why now? Um hmm. And I mentioned earlier on about the ghost in Hamlet. And it, something occurred to me this morning that it's almost like um, the ghost says to Hamlet, remember me. You know, and yeah. one of the things I'm most worried about is that Hamlet's going to forget him.
6: Yeah.
9: And here we are over half a century after the death of John F. Kennedy. I was not alive when he died. I remember hearing about the day he died from my parents who were alive. Um, but, you know, this is a generation away now. And yet, I think Dylan feels that something about that moment in history is worth preserving, is worth reminding us. I mean, maybe you even want to go as far to say, remember this, he's the ghost. He's saying to the country, you know, I'm not saying you can avenge the murder of John F. Kennedy, but remember, this is the moment when America split in two, when the presidency was something, well it's different now shall we say uh the office of president of the united states now is a is a much more flexible term um in hamlet claudius poisons his brother and his brother dies and the ghost goes to hamlet and says this is what happened so is ken is is dylan saying that he's he and kennedy are coming back into our lives and saying the world has been poisoned the country has been poisoned the the office of the president has been poisoned. It's been poisoned by celebrity. It's been poisoned by lies. It's by, been poisoned by corruption. And there may not be anything you can do about it, but remember me.
2: I think that's good. I, I also think that he's also saying remember all of these other things that give you joy, you know, starting Ooh. with the Beatles yes. Uh, yes. And, and then going on. Uh, and, you know, I, I, I think pretty much everything that he says play is a favorite of his, you know, yeah. uh, in, including the movies and the, the old silent stars, uh, and, uh, the, uh, the various, uh, jazz and, and pop, uh, 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 pieces, uh, that he, he calls out in there, uh, which I think the biggest surprise would be Bob Dylan's a queen fan.
9: <laughs> I'm still from the Eagles personally. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, or the Eagles, yeah. Queen too. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah. It's a strange one. Um, and there's no chronology to that list either. They're just, it, it's very freeform. Yeah,
6: yeah. Um,
9: there's a couple of more Shakespeare references in there as well, which doesn't do any harm.
8: Yeah.
9: But yeah, yeah, it's, he is, I think you're absolutely right. He's not just saying the world is broken, but he's also saying the only thing that can heal us is music. And there's a lot of it. And, you know, let's all remember that too. Yeah. I mean, you're absolutely right.
6: Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. Well, Lucas, any, 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 Final thoughts uh, on it? I mean, obviously, we're all going to be talking about this for a very, very long time. And again, a a shout out to Morris, uh, who was like, you know, you have to come back to us in three months after we've fully digested this thing and get a real reading on this. And I think he's not far off
9: there. Well, I mean, yes. I mean, it's the thing about analysis and art is you all, I'm already wishing I didn't say half the things I've said in the last 10 minutes. (laughs) (laughs) we used to say to yourself, Oh, hang on. That's, that's not very well thought out that I've missed that entirely. But the best thing about this kind of thing is that it will mean different things to you at different points in your life. Yeah. And within the first 36 hours of this being dropped on our, uh, on our mobile phones or wherever we we got it from, it's very early to be picking it apart. But uh, I I know that it's going to change and I'm going to change and there'll be lots more to get out of it over the coming days and weeks and, you know what a, just what a treat to, to have it, you know. Um, maybe there's more, maybe there's an album, who knows? Who knows?
2: Yeah, there is rumor, uh, that there is a, a forthcoming album. Uh, I know, but um, but I think this is a standalone uh piece, uh, certainly at 17 minutes. Um, I mean, hell, that's yeah. that's half an album right there.
6: Uh, so,
9: <laughs> I mean, the only other thing I can relate it to is, is in the 90s when we didn't have any new material from Bob Dylan for seven or eight years and now it's been seven or eight years and you know there's been a there's been a lot lacking the the fans have been waiting for an album you know all, i mean i remember the feeling when i heard there was a new album coming out called triplicate and for about five minutes i thought there's a new album and then i realized it was more you know american songbook sinatra yeah. s covers and i thought
2: oh, okay all right <laughs> um, but that's know, not Rob your can, specialty bob
9: yeah <laughs> you're i know I you're just, a, you a know writer <laughs> And even in the 90s when it had been a while and I think Greatest Hits Volume 3 came out and, and all the new music papers were saying there's a new song, it's called Dignity. We all went, oh, he's written a new song, he's written a new song. Oh, it's an outtake from Her Mercy. okay. <laughs> and there's nothing wrong with that, but you just, I don't know. And we don't know where this song comes from. We don't know whether it's part of a, a bigger whole of recording, but we've got this and this is wonderful. And as he, as he once said, that's good enough for now.
2: Well, Lucas Hare, thanks so much for sharing your thoughts on Murder
9: Most Foul uh, today ple- with us. My pleasure. My pleasure. And uh, yeah, thank you and, uh, and take care. Play the numbers, play the odds.
3: Play crime, your river, for the law of the gods. Play number nine, play number six. Play it for Nancy and Stevie Nicks. Play Nat King Cole. Play Nature Boy. Lay down in the boot docks for Terry on Play it happen one night and one night of sin.
2: I sincerely want to thank Ray and Marcus from Imbalanced History of Rock, uh, Pamela Debar from Her Pajama Party, Morris Bushtinsky from Love That Album, Cindy Howes of Basic Folk, and Lucas Hare from Is It Rolling Bob Talking Dylan for joining me to give their initial thoughts on Murder Most Foul. Please, if you haven't, Go listen to their wonderful shows, all of which can be found on the Pantheon Podcast Network, um, either in the main feed uh, or in their individual feeds. Just go to PantheonPodcast.com for all the 411. So, after talking to some of our pod fam, as well as reading several articles on the song, what do I think now? Um... Now that I've had a few days to ponder and reflect, um, I spoke to my writing partner for Rock and Roll Archaeology, Richard Evans, and we went through a, a, a dissertation on it uh, after he'd listened to it a few times, and we we kind of came up with this. Dark and dense, uh, without doubt, certainly. Uh, Dylan's immense body of work uh, across 60-plus years contains a lot of work that... Obviously fits that description. Uh, We can draw some slight parallels from that body. The sharp juxtapositions throughout bring to mind the lyrics from Desolation Row, uh, for instance. And Lucas uh, mentioned that as well. Uh, Elegy or requiem uh, came to mind. Um, Eulogy, perhaps? Uh, But these terms uh, seem incomplete too and not altogether on target. These types of expression usually contain a grace note of defiant hope, and no such grace notes are sounded in Murder Most Foul. It's also a memoir, a remembrance of things past, a a lifetime reflected upon, delivered in a shotgun blast of imagery and rapid-fire pop culture references. It's like shrapnel from a shattered spirit that restlessly reflects on all the opportunities missed. In uh, episode five of our rock and roll archeology span podcast, we described young Bob Dylan as not a talker or joiner, uh, but a listener, an intent observer, a storyteller rather than a participant. And yet here in the autumn of his long and eventful life, he has both observed and participated in an enormous slice of history. We also talked about how he chafed at being described as the voice of a generation, and understandably so, but we also said that the power of his expression was undeniable. Murder Most Foul, with its long sweeping arc of a story, seems to make him the voice of several generations but he's still bob dylan and he's not here to teach or explain he puts it out there and we all try our own to parse it and understand it with varying degrees of success and we'll continue to do that after the ambulances go and cinderella is sweeping up on desolation row all right that's it for this week Hope you enjoyed it. Hope you enjoyed hearing several voices from the network to talk about this incredibly new Bob Dylan song. I'm Christian Swain. This has been Deeper Digs in Rock, a Pantheon podcast. You know, thanks so much for your time today. Be well, be safe, and always keep up the rockin'. Play
3: <laughs> salada And a key to the highway by of the king of the heart Play marching to Georgia and Dunbarton's drums Play darkness and death will come when it comes Play love me or leave me by the great bird Town. Play the bloodstained banner, play murder most foul
1: Deeper Digs in Rocks, produced and hosted by Kristen Swain. All sound design and incidental music by Busy Signal Studios. Find all of our shows, notes, social, and links at www.pantheonpodcast.com or wherever you listen to great podcasts. All songs can be found for purchase on iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play. Please purchase these great and important tracks find us on facebook at the rnrap we are on instagram at rnr archaeology tweet us at rnr archaeology it's nfl draft season
2: and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football